Hi everybody, welcome to the Conversation Pod with Kareem and Joe. Today on episode 5 we've got Lorenzo Loom. A uh, very interesting podcast today about developing rugby in Lebanon, uh, specifically with junior rugby and women rugby. At the end, the last minute or so, um, Tuma's mic um, had an issue, so I couldn't really hear him, so we might be talking over each other a little bit, but we tried to fix it as much as possible. But we hope you enjoy it, and um, stay tuned for more episodes. Episode 5 of uh, Conversations with Kareem and Joe. Um, today we've got Laurent Zaloum. Um, so welcome to the pod, Laurent. Cheers, Gage. No worries. Uh, so Laurent plays in the national team, uh, Lebanon. He's also plays for Jamal. Um, but I want to introduce him. I'll let him introduce him, uh, himself. So Laurent, just tell us a little bit about you and how you got into rugby. Uh, so as Kareem said, I play for both Jamal and the Lebanese national team. I started uh, rugby pretty late. I was already 16, turning 17 in uh, summer 2010 when I started rugby. Uh, back then, my school was the only school in Lebanon uh, who had uh, a rugby program, which was uh, like um, just a small program of uh, rugby sevens. And um, yeah, I got into it. We had a couple of uh, ex-national team players now coaching them, which were Hassan Karake and Mark Fred. Mm. We trained that for a full year, and um, I've played ever since with two with a two and a half year stint in Canada, and that's it. Right. So I I, I never knew Hassan was involved in the coaching. I always I thought it was Serge and Mark only. I didn't know Hassan was involved in it. Yeah, actually, that's pretty interesting because uh, the way it was done in Jamhur before. So I've been in Jamhur since I was twelve. And rugby was always been, has always been there in Jammur, but we weren't allowed to play rugby before we were 16. So before we, mm-hmm. we, we got to grade 10, and Hassan was always the coach. So let's say I started, I, I got to Jammur in, 20, in 2005. I started playing 2010. Hassan was the coach from 2011, I guess. So they, they wouldn't let you play rugby at all, or they wouldn't let you play contact rugby? Uh, okay, so the, the, uh, there are two things which will which will help us understand why why Jamhur turned out to be a rugby school. So you had to, okay. you had two types of rugby in Jamhur. That's very interesting. One is particular to Lebanon. So the the, the contact rugby sport that's known like rugby union, which is played all over the world, was forbidden for uh, for people younger than fifteen or sixteen. As I said, grade ten. Yeah. But uh, the uh, the reason why a lot of young boys and now young girls play rugby is because uh, the scouts start playing uh, rugby uh, back in starting grade five, and it's kind of rugby that they invented. So it's 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 somewhere between flag rugby and tag rugby, but with a lot uh, looser rules, let's say. So everybody would play rugby with the scouts in the summer and between uh, the different uh, scout groups. And, um, and yeah, and that was it. Uh, but but very few people used to make the the jump from scout rugby, if we call it that way, to actual rugby union. So okay, so 
Who, in the scouts, who who brought in the game of rugby? Do they use a rugby ball, and uh, do they? Does it make sure that they they can only pass backwards? And is, is they is it, they put the ball down to score a try? Is like is the basics the similarities? Yeah, the so, same as so, rugby. So the crazy thing about it is, uh, uh, scout rugby has been around in Jammu since the early nineteen nineties. It was brought in by Nadim Aboud. He's the president of Blue Stars. <clears throat> who has never, ever played rugby. He's never played in a single competitive or touch rugby uh, game. But one of the mm. things about the scouts is physical activity. And he used to watch rugby on, uh, on, on TV. And he got this rugby ball as a gift. So he brought it to, his, uh, to the Troupe um, 10 in France. So the, 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 the second oldest uh, group in Jamhul. And they just tried it. Uh, you can yeah. pass backwards. You cannot play. Yeah, so, so the basic rules of yes, it's a rugby ball. You pass sideways or backwards. But let's say they're a lot more uh, lenient on, uh, on knock ons. So okay. they're not on asterisks or knock ons. And the thing that I, I stopped liking about it when, once I got into real rugby, it was uh, 20, 20 players against 20 players half a pitch. So it was, oh, pretty, yeah, really? it was pretty chaotic. No space. No, it was pretty chaotic, and maybe I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm a bit optimistic, but that's why a lot of younger Zamur players that are going like the 15, 14 year olds that started both in the same time and like in, have good hands and good and good offload skills because the, you'll have the ball for probably three to four seconds in a time in a in a rugby, in the scout rugby game. And that still that still go on yeah, now or no? Yeah, it goes on. Like they have probably two events per year in Jamhul. So how many? And you still can't play rugby till you're 16. No, 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 no. Now so Jamhul oh. extended its rugby program since 2017. You can start playing uh, normal rugby, uh, normal rugby at the eleven. So we 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 get to to some monthly meeting. They're very. They're very not not worried, but they're very cautious and very they're very cautious about the contact part. But it's fine. We've ne- we've we've not had any major incidents so far, so it's fine. We have uh, currently Jamur under uh, fourteen, under twelve boys, under fourteen boys, under sixteen, under eighteen, and a senior team. And for women, it's only under eighteen and under sixteen, like Norman rugby. Wow, I, 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 so I always knew there was rugby in the scouts, so I just didn't know it got, went that far back. Um, but it, like you said, you know, you could tell that from the Jamal players. Not so much the the, uh, the hands that caught my eye. It's just a lot of these younger kids. You can see they've got some good footwork. Yes, um, so obviously, I think that I think that would relate to it. Just being on the pitch with so many people, you've got so much more little more little space to run in. So you would have to work on your your footwork. Um, I always thought it was just because the kids were playing football before, no, and, so and, or, or basketball. And if the thing I can add to it, I get exactly your point. And yet, yes, the footwork helps a lot. Is because the the way scout rugby is played is lots is a lot harder than action tag rugby, because you just so you take out your scout flag, put it in your pocket, like in your back pocket, and as soon mm. as it's sticking out. The referee will blow his whistle, and you have one second to offload the board. 
okay. So okay. So it's okay. So it's a bit. It is like it is like flag rugby then. Yeah, but like it's much easier. Like like there's no way anyone will touch your scarf without it coming off. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, well, yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting. That. Yeah. So okay. So so you moved to Canada. What year was that? Uh, summer 2015, early summer. And that was, for, and that was for university, right? Exactly. For I did my master's degree there. Okay, so when you went to Canada, were you excited to learn to play rugby out there, or was it, or did you just fall into a team and then you grew a passion for rugby even more being there? So uh, basically, I've always, I, I've always been very passionate about rugby. I made the. I was uh, I, I played judo for about 14 years from age three to age 17, and once I started being good at rugby, I let that go because I really like took a liking to rugby that was very quick. So I got mm. into Canada with this whole rugby spirit, rugby culture thing in my mind, where rugby is going to help me make friends, rugby is going to help me uh, explore the city, explore the the country, and um, yeah, but I so I didn't have I didn't uh, have uh, I didn't think that I would like rugby more or anything. But it was uh, after a while when I look back at it now, it was the first time I was exposed to a real rugby culture. So yes, I, I mm. have a completely different view and, uh, uh, of rugby now, and I enjoy it a lot more. How 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 were you? Um... As well, like uh, accepted there in Canada, like you know, young kid coming from from Lebanon was were people interested in you know how rugby was like in Lebanon? Did they have preconceived uh, you know expectations or anything, or how yeah, to, was it just accepted like anything? Like yeah, to, uh, so uh, to be very honest, uh, the the cool thing about it, and uh, this is uh, I'm saying in a good in a good way about my uh, Canadian uh, like who very good friends of mine and my my ex teammates. So I think the sport in North America, especially in in Ottawa, where I used to live. There, there's a lot of emphasis on being very tough, physically very strong, physically very athletic, and these all, all, all my all the players came from the from American football background or hockey backgrounds. So they were all like most of them were athletic uh, freaks and strong physically. They hit the gym, yeah. but you you would not you you would struggle to find more than two to three players probably in a team. That have the like the kicking skills, the offload skills, the the insane, like the sidestepping, and just like um, something extra, right? So because in Lebanon, in one in one of the podcasts, KJ was joking about it, and he's completely correct. We we used to spend a lot of time a, a lot of time playing touch, so sidestep, passing, trying to offload, and that kind of stuff. And that's the way mm. I played rugby when I first got there. So they took a liking to that. And they started like liking to play with me, like at, at my university. So they they liked the way I play rugby, and this is when I got invited to try out for one of the, uh, the one of the the Ottawa's best teams in uh, uh, in rugby, and and that's how I made actually most of my non Lebanese friends there. Okay. And what what uh, university was it? Yeah, university, university of Ottawa. Ottawa. I went to uh, I went on a um, a rugby tour under 15s I think it was uh, 2002 2003 to nice. uh, Ontario. Did you against you? Remember the names? It was a class. I'm trying to think. Um, 
I can't remember now. The um, so we played we played Ontario State. I remember that because that was the game, our last game of the whole tour, which we lost. But we were playing we were playing a year above, and at that age, it's like you know playing a year yeah, above makes course. a big difference. But we beat all. We think we beat all the other teams. Then I'm trying to think of the. You know, is it Ryston University? Ryston, yeah, it's in, it's in Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. Ah, uh, right. Yeah, Tuna. we went. That's where we were staying. Yeah. You went on an under 15s tour and played against university students. No, no, we stayed at a university. We were staying oh, on the campus. Okay, no, because you said you played against Royston. No, no, we stayed. Sorry, we stayed there. Royston, oh, okay, fine. Okay. We're using we're using like their their halls or whatever. And you lost against a Canada, Canadian team. Mate, we were playing a year above, and we were playing Ontario State. So you know. And who did you go as? Uh, my team, Cardiff Harlequins, my you know my youth team, my team I played growth through the age grades. Right. Okay. Fine. Um. Oh, it's interesting. Um, yeah, that, that tour was class. I mean, Canada's a big uh, rugby nation. Yeah, they are. Actually, they, they don't do very well on the like an international stage, but it's a uh, it's one of the biggest summer sports there is there. So, uh, in, in where I used to live mm. in Ottawa, where is uh, which is considered even though, even though it's a capital, which is considered a small city, they have like women and men senior uh, teams who play across the four div- divisions in Eastern Ontario. So. Everybody plays. Everybody plays uh, rugby in the summer there. Even the the two biggest, uni- actually the three universities that are based in Ottawa have big rugby teams. Uh, so how come they don't play more games against teams in America? Because they're so close domestically. I mean, not internationally. Uh, so, or like play against different universities or so something. The 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 problem with the Canadian men men's Canadian uh, rugby. Was it uh, for for the long time? It uh, it wasn't. Uh, uh, what's it called again? Uh, so CIRC Sport, which is basically um, like a, like the federation that uh, that takes care of the sport of the old sporting uh, competitions in university in Canada. So you don't have a Canadian championship for men's rugby, which they do have for women's rugby. So what happens is you just play teams in your province, and that's it. And even though in a province like Ontario, you you will not like spend eight hours as a university team going to Toronto, playing a game, and going back to Ottawa. So what will happen? What will happen? Right. You, you you like divide Ontario. So we we used to play in Eastern Ontario. So it's us and the French speaking uh, teams really. So Ottawa. Uh, Kingston, which is an hour away from Ottawa, uh, Montreal, and all, all the way to Quebec City, which uh, Quebec City, which is four hours away, and then everything Toronto and next to it, they'll play. They play in a different league. Right. Okay. And to, so, what do you think after playing in rugby in Canada? So you were there for what, three years or uh, four? Two years and a half. Oh, two years and a half. Okay, so you're there for two yeah. and a half years, and then you came back to Lebanon. And obviously, once you came back to Lebanon, you were obviously at that point your mentality was okay, get back, get into the national team, etc. But what was your mindset in terms of what you wanted to bring into Jamhur? Uh, so, uh, if not, it's not only Jamhur. There's something that I don't uh, really enjoy in Lebanon rugby that we're seeing less and less that in Lebanon, and it's a thing you see with, with men's rugby more than women's rugby, is that some players tend to play rugby or try to play rugby just because 
they want this tough guy image they think it's cool right so people will come to the people yes. people will come play rugby try to hurt another person on the pitch um, they have nothing to do with the rugby culture they they'll fight and they leave and they they don't care about anything else so there's really no I'm not going to go even to rugby culture. There's no even like a, a lot of sportsmanship involved. And this this is the biggest difference that I have. So the 15 players, the the 23 players, everyone involved in a, in a, in, a, in a team in Canada was all about rugby culture. Even if you lose, you have to go out have a drink with with the, with the with the team you played against. And the team itself was a family. We hang they, we used to hang out uh, with each other. Which made rugby more fun, which made practice fun, games more intense for us, because there is this whole familiar, uh, familial uh, feeling about it, and this is where I, yeah, this yeah. is what I thought was lacking at Jamhul. And to be honest, uh, what what I try to do, which is I might have I might have got uh, wrong in some cases, because I played for uh, five years in Jamhul before I left in Canada. I knew the players who were a bit older than me, who were my age, were a bit younger, that can fit to this uh, to this vision that I had for Jamhoud. And uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so they can fit for that vision that I had for Jamhoud. And uh, who really struggled with the same problems I talked about, as just as I struggled before I left for Canada. So the, the, actually, this, the mm. sports principal in Jamhoud like, called me, he's like, look, we have to find some, we have to, to find a solution for rugby four players were training for the last three months either you either you fix it or we're done with rugby in the school and which was considered a rugby school so i phoned i, yeah. I sent emails i phoned these 23 players that uh, that i thought will work in the system some of them like excelled and some of them disappointed my vision let's say at least but yeah so we started from scratch and from going the from going from probably the worst uh, team in uh, rugby in Lebanon to winning the championship and even this year we're unbeating for the for the five last game before covid so yeah that was it yeah you win you win the last year of the championship doesn't count yeah, if i wasn't there neither does our neither does our <laughs> winning streak this time cuz as soon as you left we started <laughs> Uh, oh, I don't want to say anything. Um, no, but on that first topic, the first thing that you said about that whole rugby culture thing that the people in Lebanon, you know, started playing rugby because you know it's that tough guy image. Do you think that you, you do you think there's a there was a lot of that in rugby union, or do you think you, it comes from r- players from rugby league who come over to rugby no, no, union? See, I don't want to I don't want to pinpoint rugby league or rugby players in Lebanon because I stayed there for two years. I played rugby league for two years. Yeah. I mean, but uh, yeah, it's it's actually it's actually a complete. Once you understand what rugby union is about, in my opinion, at least, you see the big difference. Uh, the, big, the big difference from then. Let's say, let's say, as a player, uh, in our on a rugby union team, if you if you hurt someone in a high tackle, nobody is going to clap. Nobody's going to happy about. Is going to be happy about it. But being a younger and a teenager. Mm. And watching older older teammates playing uh, like club rugby league, like big hits that are like uh, like yellow card or red card hits were uploaded, and there was something to there was something uh, uh, to cheer on, right? Which is I think is a big right. is a very big difference between between the two sports worldwide and and especially in in Lebanon, and it's something. 
and it's something yeah. you see less and less uh, uh, in Lebanon because players in all the schools are starting to rugby union younger and younger than before. Yeah, I, I think you're right there. I think it, it, it is. It, um, I was probably wrong by saying, "Is it rugby league players go to rugby union?" I think it's a cultural thing, um, and it's a it's a it's a culture brought on the, by the coaches. And I think, unfortunately, you know, certain coaches, whether uh, if whether they start off in rugby league or not, they they give praise to young players at 17, 16, 18 years old if they do a high tackle or, like you said, a shoulder charge or do this. Or they do one little thing good, make one decent pass, and it's like, oh, you're the best, you're the best. And then they've got this this aura around them that it gives them false hope and they and they forget what the game is about and it's more about what can I do to, to get better? What can I do to be the man of the, the team? What can I do? What can I do? It, and it just creates a very bad culture for players to go from 16 all the way up through the end of and university. Honestly, we, the, 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 I, I'm, not, I'm not changing the subject, but exactly what you're saying in Lebanon rugby, that a lot of let's say, like, between brackets, let's say brilliant players that play age-grade rugby or even university rugby in uh, rugby league do not make it to, to senior men, do not make it to a national team because, yes, they were better than their average player in, in their league, but their skill set their, uh, and their, 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 their physical power was not good enough for men's rugby. But because they were uploaded all their lives, and, oh, you offloaded one pass, that's amazing. They didn't work hard enough to make the step to men's rugby. And that's why they failed and dropped from rugby altogether. Mm. Yeah, I think I think there though we can go we can go down a rabbit hole with that. And because you know it, it, that goes into competency of the coaches then. Because if co- if you haven't got qualified coaches or coaches that understand the game, they can't teach them new things. They can't develop on their their skill set. They can't develop on a game plan or understanding of the game if their coaches don't know themselves. So they, they will always stay stagnant at a level. Um, so, yeah, I understand what your point is. But, Tuma, like, you've obviously, you know, played in the UK all your life. I played up until I was 18, and then I left for, what, 10 years or so? Well, <clears throat> I was in Lebanon from 18 to, what, 24, 25, and then I was around about 65 different countries. Um, <laughs> about, You're halfway around, halfway around the world. the world trying to pursue the dream. Um Play about seven hundred clubs. Yeah. So for you, obviously, growing up in uh, being in the UK, have you found as you've gone up and up a level, whether from college, uh, university to club, as you go up and up a level, have you found cultures change in the clubs? Um, not particularly. The, I guess um, any club I've been to. Or any club I've played in the UK has always been the same. It's always been pretty much the same culture. I'd say culture-wise, it's not much changed, different. I'd say the only difference, mainly for me, it was just being in terms of coaches and uh, ability and, and kind of teammates that I played with that you know that have, that have changed throughout throughout the various clubs that I've played with. But culture-wise, it's very it's very similar across all all the, the clubs I've been through. You know, yeah. it's it's, it's it's one of those things which is amazing about rugby, where it's, it's like standard throughout, mm. um, to, and even different countries and stuff. Like you know, I played in. You know, it just carries everywhere. It's one of the great things about rugby. Yeah, I, I think. Um, go on, carry on. Sorry. Go on. No, go on. No, what I was going to say is that I, I, I think we've got to, we, especially in Lebanon, Lebanon people have got to be careful trying to adapt 
other cultures to Lebanon? Because I know Laurent wants to bring that culture over from Canada. And I know there's players in Lebanon that or coaching in Lebanon that they say, well, we do this in England, we do this in Australia, we do this in what, uh, France, we do this. It doesn't mean that that's the right way. It doesn't mean that that's... If, because you don't drink 16 pints after a game doesn't mean that you don't believe in the in the culture. If you're not drinking out of a, a shoe, it doesn't mean that you're not part of a rugby culture. You know, there is other things that makes rugby culture. It means that you're a good person. You mean that you've got integrity. It means that you've got loyalty. It means that you've got, you know, courage. It, these things are, are you got work ethic. These things, what is the rugby culture? It's not I, I, like how many points you can down in five minutes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's rugby values. Yeah, isn't it? it's the values. Right. I can tell you that we're still not yeah. perfect in, in what I'm going to say in Lebanon, but I think we're getting there. One of the biggest things about rugby culture, culture and now I'm not talking about uh, boat racing and bus trips, is, is to leave everything mm. that happened on the field on the field. And what I'm, I'm, I'm happy about mm. is with, 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 the, with the continuous rise of, and, and, and influx of younger players, and without naming anyone, a lot of, uh, let's say, rugby pioneers in Lebanon getting older, retiring, or just not caring anymore. This is actually finally happening. Mm. Like, you'll have an under-18s match between, let's say, Zamour and Junior. It would be a tough game, very physical game. As soon as the game is done, it's, it's over. Every, everyone is fine. They, they'll go together, let's say, to Roasters with Adam Zid. They'll have a lunch together, maybe they party together mm. at night. And this is something that we really did not mm. see for years and years. And I've been seeing this progress for the past two to yeah. three, three years. Yeah, you're right. You you know you're right there, and I think um, I think what you're doing with Jamhor, not just for the, with the the senior men's team, but what you're doing with the juniors and the women's team, I think that you're really setting a a great example for uh, literally, you know, potential tens and hundreds of uh, future players coming through so you should be you should be proud of that and you know you should just keep on building what you're doing because it's it's it, it, you're leading the way right now and i just hope that there's people in beirut who can who can do the same thing whether it's finding a school that can make them like beirut academy or you know or setting up their own academy and you know trying to do the same thing that you're doing so it's good um yeah that's really good i mean we spoke to bob on um on our last episode about, you know, what, what it needs for real change in, in kind of Lebanese rugby is, you know, people like you, Lauren, people with just the motivation and the drive and bring, bringing on, you know, rugby values and doing things in your own time, out of your, you know, spending your own time taking younger players, training, doing, going, you know, like you said, you, you're basically installing in Jamur that, that training because, and that culture. I, so, yeah. Thank you very much. Kareem said something yeah, to be proud thank you very much, guys. And, and we need is, more of it. So I, 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 I've, I've heard the, the podcast with Bob, which was amazing. And he talked, about, he talked a lot about the volunteer part. And what, what, what's really important, yeah. at least for me, I don't think how, how doable it is. As in Lebanon, you, can't, you cannot force anyone to do anything. Right? So we don't need 100 volunteers. If you can just get two or three or four people that are ready to do all this effort... And do the effort that is that should be done that should have been done by five or ten. It's okay as long as there's someone. We don't need. To, I agree. We don't need to try to get the hundreds and hundreds of referees and coaches. We just need to get the right number with the right qualification, and that's it. I I I, I agree with you completely. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. I like if I could if I was speaking about myself. Obviously, the last year or two. 
um, every time I've done something in Lebanon rugby or coaching in general in rugby, I've you know I've 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 done the camps and stuff, and I've charged people for it just because you know I felt that you know. I had other stuff. I haven't. I didn't have any other stuff really going on. I had. I was going to set up a business here, set up a business there. I was in it, in and out of rugby seasons. So for me, it was a good business thing because I was a captain of the national team, and it was an opportunity for me to get some, make some money, and also it helps me develop players. But if there was a place there where I could, I was in part of the federation, and and it wasn't about, and the money wasn't an issue. I would, I would gladly put my hand up, which I said before on the podcast with Bob. I'll gladly put my hand up and be in charge of under eighteen development, under twenty development, under sixteen development, women's development. I'll go to every school to help out. I'll go to every club to help out. If that means I have to stop ba- playing for Beirut, so I'm not there's no conflict when I go to watch other teams train. I was willing to do that, but obviously the the, the guy that lives in about thirty minutes away from Lebanon didn't wasn't accepting it. <laughs> Um, he shall not be named. Um, so no, but no, it's really good what you're doing. Um, but I want to f- focus now on the women's rugby. Um, so obviously, you've you're coaching. Is it Jamhor or Blue Stars? It's now. Is there no more so, Blue Stars? So and Blue it's just Stars called started as a like a rugby academy for uh, for age grade rugby, but it had it had its own women's, okay. women's team. Uh, so it, this ran for about a year and a half, and just for logistic uh, and coaching okay. reasons, Blue Stars is now like a fully functional age age grade academy. Academy they have uh, both girls and boys rugby under ten, under twelve, under fourteen. But as as of today, they do not have any senior teams. So the women's team, uh, the, the women's team that I coach that plays senior senior rugby is uh, the Jamhur Lions. So what's who? How old is the youngest player in the Jamhors team, Lions team, and how old is the we're oldest? Ten, what's the age difference? Only senior. We're not talking about my under 18s. Yeah, you see, you see, We have a cup uh, like uh, four to five, seventeen-year-olds, uh, which are good enough to play senior. Yeah. They like they they made the step up from their under 18s. So let's say our my youngest probably yeah. either sixteen or just turning seventeen. And the oldest players, the oldest player we have uh, is a, an exchange the master student from France. She's 28. But if I'm going to talk about purely Lebanese uh, Lebanese players, my oldest would be Irene uh, Bahsoun, probably, who's 25 or 24. Wow, that's amazing. That's great. So and, and so all these girls, how did you find them? That they they. How do they get involved in rugby? Who's coaching them? You know, what are you doing to develop their skills, or what are you do doing if you're coaching? I mean, what are you doing to develop as a coach as well? Like, how are you getting better? The biggest, uh, the, if 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 I can take it just an extra minute, the biggest difference between women's rugby and men's rugby in Lebanon, it's it's fascinating actually, is that you'll never have the, like this new influx of players every season. So in men's rugby, we'll call for a training camp on our Facebook page. We'll have fifty players. <clears throat> By the by, by the first by the first game of this season, we would have dropped to about thirty-five. In in women's rugby, you'll get probably four to five players, uh, four to five uh, new players per year. But the difference is because rugby is such a let's say a, a, a new thing to, to 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 Lebanon, especially to women in Lebanon. These girls that come to train rugby uh, to try rugby know what they're getting themselves into. 
so they, they know what to expect. They're not here to tell mm. their friends that they're, they're ugly. They're not here to play tough guy. They're here because they want to try rugby because they saw rugby and they want to and they want to and they want to like try, try their luck at it. And mostly it, it, it's uh, uh, our senior phase who started with you, Karim, in Orcas back in probably 2014. With there's. Uh... I don't know what year it was. No, it would have been a little bit later. It probably would have been 20... I came back from America. So it would probably have been 2015, 20, 20, yeah, 2015, okay. 2016, so, so, around that time. To give credit to everyone, there was the uh, women's right... There was a Jamur uh, on their 18 team back in 2011, uh, 2012, when I was my first year out of school, uh, which uh, didn't last long because they had no competition. Then uh, rugby league developed for yeah. a bit. Uh, in AUB especially, but uh, for reasons that uh, I would I would not discuss because it, I, it has nothing to do with us. Uh, something did not work, and these girls who were very passionate, very, very, um, very committed, stopped playing rugby altogether. And then there were the Orcas. So the uh, my like Lebanon's rugby most committed players either come from this Jamur team back in 2012, come from AUB rugby league, or come from the Orcas. And they do a lot of, like, if I can mm. call it organic or underground work between friends in their work, in their universities, at school, to bring new players. And that's another reason why we only get four to five new players, because they're actually asking people to come and train. But I think that the, the biggest difference yeah. happened probably two years ago, when, or three years ago, when I see school, which is a big rugby school in Lebanon, and the Moor finally had a women's rugby program. So we got more and more players because the school at the beginning of the year they're coming out with a with a with a with a paper saying okay we have these you can try this 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 and we have this new sport which is rugby come out and try it so that's how we have other than uh, other than like the girls inviting people to training it's the schools playing a big part right yeah. No, it's it's very interesting. I think and I think um, I think women's rugby can really flourish flourish in, in Lebanon because I think it's because the the stigma behind the game and I think in Lebanon, women nowadays because there's obviously such an uprising and feminism um, in in the culture and women's rights as there should be, of course, um, of course um, that <laughs> that it's to a lot of girls play rugby just to say. I can. If they can do it, I can do it, and and and, and that's fine. That's okay. Uh, but uh, I think Lebanon rugby needs to start taking advantage of this this um, this surge of um, uprising of women and uh, the fact that they want to try and do things that they're not supposed to do or shouldn't do in terms because because they're girls. Um, but that the fact that you know you're taking advantage of that, and then the fact that girls are coming on more and more every season is a, is a testament because it shows that they're enjoying the game. It shows that it's it is fun. It's not barbaric like people say. Um, it's um, no, it's exciting. I think it's I think it'll be very diff. It's very difficult to coach women than it is men because I think with women especially, you've got to really be aware of each individual player and why they're playing the game. 
um, because a lot of girls might want to play just because they want to make new friends. There's a lot of girls that play because, you know, um, they want, they're extremely feminist and, you know, they want to do what men do. Uh, there's girls that play and realize that they, they might not have the, the, the figure, the body to play basketball or football or run athletics where their body shape could be more suited to rugby. So, if you get, if you can, can connect with these players on a personal level, it can only attract um, Actually, them Kenja, to the game I even love more. What you just said, because it brought up like exactly what you're saying, but in 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 in, in the different way. So uh, knowing your players personally, understanding why they're playing rugby, yes, plays a huge part when 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 coaching women's rugby in Lebanon. But also, what uh, some of the issues we face, and I'm pretty sure you faced it too when you were coaching. Uh, uh, the, uh, some uh, some some women's team here in Lebanon, as be, because because there's still yeah. and let's let's be very frank about it here because there is still this familiar uh, familial aspect in Lebanon. So, bo- men or women would not like leave their house and live on their own before they married and stuff. And that's the biggest difference between men and men yes. and women's rugby. So, as 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 a senior man thing, if you to, if you tear your ACL. And you and you still enjoy rugby, you know for a fact you'll have your surgery done and come back to rugby. But knowing your your women's team personally, you'll understand mm-hmm. that this girl probably, if if let's say she breaks her finger, she'll never play rugby again because her dad won't let her, because her mom don't let her, because it's not nice for a woman to have uh, to have a broken, uh, let's say, uh, like a, a cast while uh, while going to her prom. And this plays a, a, a huge part in knowing them personally because you understand why they're coming from, why they're missing training, why they're coming to training, why are they lying to their parents. You have a lot of girls who come to training, and I have yeah. my captain saying, uh, FYI, uh, hopefully X doesn't get injured because her parents doesn't, do not know that, that she's here. And this, this also plays into what you said about feminism and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's though that's a thing that you can't control. That's an uncontrollable because it's it's apparent. I think the only thing that you can do to maybe try and ease this is maybe on a, a monthly basis try and do a an event or a dinner where each player, especially the younger girls, come to dinner with and bring their parents, one or two of their parents, and you know. Each parents get to know each other. You, you as a coach or senior players get to know the parents, and they talk to them. They explain the game, and they can, you know, that you. There is injuries, of course. You can never protect a player from from being completely hurt free the rest all their career, all their lives. So they, the parents, as long as you can show the the parents that yes, there is a possibility that this might happen or this might happen. But look how your daughter is growing as a person. Look how she's growing in confidence. Look at the friends that she's making. She's surrounded with people that's from good families, good backgrounds, educated. You know, they're, they're, instead of, you know, drinking on a Friday or Saturday night, they'd rather train and play sports. Wouldn't, isn't that something that you would prefer? And I think if you engage the parents in that more, I think they, they, they will soften up a little bit. Because I had, I had that same issue, not, not just with the... Um, not just with the girls. I had one or two of the boys. No way. The, the schools that I was with in, uh, yeah, in, B- in BHS. I won't say the players' names, but, you know, I had, I, I had to speak to a couple of 
dads on the phone who were like, I'm worried my son who did this. And I was like, listen, I understand it. So why don't you come down to training? We, I can talk to you about the game or you can, you know, uh, see it and we can, you know, and make you feel more comfortable. And I, he didn't come down to training, but we spoke on the phone a couple of more times and he was okay with it. And the guy, the kid became a good player. And now his dad backs him to do, try and achieve more and go overseas and tra- and, and play overseas and try and develop. Um, yeah, so... It is that culture, because even when I was, you know, when I first came over to Lebanon, I first got my family, you know, from Lebanon coming to watch. They're like, oh, this is this is crazy. You know, you don't you don't wear you don't wear pads like in American football. You don't, uh, you know, you're gonna get you're gonna injure yourself. You know, what happens if you're injured yourself with your job and, and things like that? You know, that is the, you know, the, the mentality of that. And you know, it's my cousins stuff would never imagine me playing. But then, you know, once they've come down, they watched our championship in 2015, and you know, and then some of my little little cousins and stuff, all they wanted to do was chuck a, you know, chuck a rugby ball about with me. It's amazing what, you know, what can happen, like you say, Kareem, once you start to get these people, you know, you watch it, you see the, the clips, right. you see barbaric, the videos, yeah. and you watch it from the outside, and you think this is just a barbaric sport where people are going to get injured. But, like, once you uh, once you bring them down, get them involved, get them to see the culture, the values, and, and how people work as a team and and and, and develop and grow as, as a person, then... You see, how you know, like you said, people will start. To yeah, get there, there's. Um, it just reminds me. I, I was having a conversation with um, Steve Abood about this yesterday, and we were we were, we were talking. Can we go on podcast? Impossible. Um, so I was speaking to him about it yesterday, and he was talking about, you know, you know, players and and parents and personalities and stuff and that, and he said he would never ever bring a player into the national academy or national setup at 14 or 15 years old before meeting the parents. He would always make sure to meet the parents mm. first, see where that, what they are like as people um, to see, are they, are they the type of parents? Are they pushing their kids too much? Are they worried about their kids too much? What might cause anxiety on the kid, which make, because he's scared to get injured because his parents might tell him that he has to stop, which will make him not train as much or be hesitant in the game, which is more dangerous for him. Um, so he would make sure that he would always see the parents first. And that's in, and that's an island where it's a rugby culture and he will still do that. So I think in Lebanon, if I think if we can start doing that now or with your current players, I think it will it would help a lot more with them. Is that forward. something pretty frequent, like where you guys grew up and played? Like, would you have a teammate not show up at the game because his parents like punish no. or something? Never, right? Yeah. No, no, no chance. No, no, no chance. No, no, no. You know, like if almost the opposite. You try, you try, yeah, you, like, try you try, you try, like you yeah, you try like, tough from anything. Like I, I remember when I was. When I first went to rugby, when I was like eight years old, my dad like just dropped me off at the Worcester under eights, and it was like literally snowing. And the and he was like just got, I was like shorts and a t shirt at eight years old. I thought it was like torture. He like threw me onto the field, and he got in the car and drove off. He said he'll be back in like two hours, sort of thing. And I never saw him for like ten years. Uh, no, I'm joking. Uh, 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 so uh, as soon as I got onto the pitch, like the coach was like, "Yo, are you cold?" I was like, "Yeah." He was like, "Well, just stick your hands down your pants." I'm just like, "All right." And okay, and then as soon as I finished, I was muddy and everything. My mom picked me up, and I was crying and stuff. And she was, "Oh, so, stop being so soft, man up, like you know, toughen up." Nice. And I'm so, oh. Okay, so I think that, that I think that culture in the UK is uh, pretty pretty uh, similar all around, isn't it, Tombs? Cool. 
pretty it's pretty tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's pretty no, tough. Um, yeah. So, um, okay. So, Tuma, is there anything that you want to add on to what he just said <clears throat> or what I said? Uh, not onto that. I did want to yeah, ask something else. Um, I just want, I just wanted to know what is your involvement with the the federation, Lauren? Is all the stuff that you do completely separate? Um, that you do just on your own own accord? Do you get what what kind of support do you get from the federation? Do you have? Do they direct you in any way, or do you feedback to them about what's going on? Recommendations or. Is there a policy that you're working with, or are you uh, okay, literally to be, just to be, to be honest, doing these things off, asked off me your two own back? Uh, two, two minutes ago, but I skipped it. So um, I have not really. I'm not saying. Uh, ah. I'm not saying in a bad way. I don't really have any like practical support from the federation. What they what they gave us is they gave us the chance to have our level one in coaching. They gave, they gave us the chance to have our level uh, two in coaching. But other than that, everything I do with Jamur is probably either a personal endeavor or uh, something some, something that Jamhur, that Jamhur is, uh, as a school wants me to do. Uh, my involvement with the under-18 is, uh, uh, mm. is a bit more developed because Manu actually calls and asks for stuff, which, is, which I, I actually enjoy. I don't mind uh, helping out. But as, a, as an administrative or... A, uh, a particular role in the federation, I have absolutely none. And 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 the thing, uh, the thing, the thing about uh, the support and everything. And Karim, you asked me about how how do I try to be a better coach. So obviously, I got my level one and my my level twos. But the thing is, growing up uh, again, back to the early uh, 2010s. There was the, the the coaching the coaching in Lebanon was really with all due respect to all the volunteers that that trained us back then, we're not really up to standards. So you'd have a coach who's excellent in defense but doesn't give you anything in attack, and even worse, you'll have coaches who spent your, your, the whole year mm-hmm. uh, teaching you how to pass and offload but never teach you how to tackle, which is a huge concern uh, safety wise. So a lot of players, coaches, referees in Lebanon just learn with all that. That with, with all that's been uh, made available for us online, like YouTube, Rugby Bricks, uh, podcast, that's basically where we get uh, everything, and it's really trial and, er- and error, and that's it. Yeah, I, 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 th- I think these World Rugby Level 1, Level 2, Level 3 co- uh, courses are completely useless. I, 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 you know, they're, they're not even a requirement for international coaches. There's a, I don't think there's any high-level international coach that has World Rugby Level 1 and Level 2. It's, it, it's, it's, it's for developing nations. If we want to grow coaches, we need to have our own coaching um, course, like every other nation, you know, um, it, like for example, in Ireland, England, Wales, they have their own coaching courses that's developed in-house in that federation to a certain standards. Because world rugby is just for you know developing nations. So if we want to develop coaches, it's not just oh do level one world rugby, level one world t- world uh, level two world rugby, and then you're good. No, create your own program. Develop it constantly, then. Then you can do coaches courses on a weekly or by uh, not weekly, monthly or bi monthly basis, and keep reiterating new things to these players, to these people, so they can keep on developing. Doing a, a rugby course, coaching course, once every couple of years, and not having any follow up on how players are, are 
on how coaches are developing is useless. It doesn't make sense. Rugby level one is just pure torture. That's one. Two, two. If if you if we can somehow check on the list the number of people in Lebanon who have uh, who have their at least their level ones. We're not going to talk about level two. I'm pretty sure it's close to a hundred people at least. If maybe one percent of them still coach. And out of the 100 people, probably, with all due respect to them, maybe 5% or 10% would be suitable to coach a senior team, let alone a women's or a, or a grade age team. That's being... So, yeah, I completely understand where you're coming yeah. from. Yeah, okay. So, okay, in terms of next steps for... Jumhor, and uh, from the senior team, junior rugby, women's rugby. Well, you know what are you doing now? Because obviously, there's the quarantine um, for COVID nineteen right now. But hopefully, in the next couple of weeks, Lebanon will be back to normal, and the lockdown will be completely gone. Obviously, there is still the um, political situation that's an issue. But in terms of sports and training, you can pretty much go back to normal. So, have you put like a plan? Um, uh, in place for what uh, you want to do over the next couple uh, of months? We, just were, we were informed uh, this week that the championship final will take place. Uh, so it will be us playing against Juno. Okay. This will be the first uh, rugby activity once we're back. So the first two... Yeah, so... Okay, so it'll be straight to a final, we'll yeah? Two to three weeks time to prepare. And we have Mike To who's like been, uh, been sending us workouts, getting a program for the backs, getting a program for the forwards to help us prepare once we're back. Yeah, exactly. Gym, are you talking gym program? And in Jamur, we try, okay. even though the, the, the level, we're not talking about the level in Europe or anything, but we try to implement uh, after Christmas this year, the one CC one system, and it worked really, really well, but we'll have to go. So, we, we tried Say to that again after Christmas because our results before Christmas was not were not good enough. We tried to like break it down into pods and system mm. and we actually implemented the one three three one system. And we're we're we we'll, we'll have to yeah. focus we'll have to focus on it once we're back at training. But the good thing is we we we've been having video sessions either once a week or once every two weeks, either games or international games to understand what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? Who is doing what? Who should be doing that or, or, or another thing? So it's just basically going back to the going back to the classroom and just like getting everything ready before the before the final. But that's not the important part. The important part is preparing for next season. Okay. Yeah. Right. Any uh, anything from you, Tombs, on that? Uh, yeah, what, um, I can hear, I can hear what is the, the I, kind I of pathway then from the... Uh, can you hear me? Hello? Uh, I can't hear Joe, no. I can only hear you. All right. Okay, Joe. <laughs> okay, go on. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Uh, what, what's the, the kind of pathway for the age-grade teams coming to the, say, senior um, Jamor team and then hopefully okay, also so the kind of national do, we, we do, do you see players progression through that pathway 16 and under Is... 18 but it's not okay so uh, uh, KJ uh, Joe was asking what, what the pathway uh, pathway for age grade uh, players to go up to senior and hopefully then to national team 
So the way it's done, Jammur, we've had the under 14 okay. and everything uh, further up for the past three years. But it's not very strict or rigid. So if you're a big under 14 or a very good under 14, you make the step up to the under 16 uh, earlier and then the steps to under 18 earlier. And if you're a 16 year old, you can play in the backs or you're pretty good, you can play also for the senior team. But what's good, what's good in Jammur is that. I coach senior and I coach um, I coach senior women and senior men, but I we have like we have it bro- broken down into uh, into into teams. So the under uh, sixteen are coached by Kamila Farhad, under eighteen are coached by Cyril Agani. So we can we actually like discuss this talk between each other. Cyril will have okay, Mike, my, my kid mm-hmm. is actually destroying everybody at training and at. Uh, and at the and at the tournaments at the junior tournaments. So what did, what we did uh, this year with the, with a couple of players that we took them we took them from the under eighteen to the to the senior men. Uh, they did not play a game, but they spent their our whole preseason camp, which is five days, with us. They understand the the, the system completely. They played in some friendlies. They play with they play with us the seventh and tenth tournament because it's not as physically demanding as a, as a 15s games and once they're 17 they play they play in the they play in the senior team mm-hmm. no is joe talking or nothing now okay so i will talk okay so you so jamor has camille and um surreal and yourself coaching but obviously, this is no disrespect to those coaches or yourself. So, who's developing you? So, who's developing Camille as a coach, or who's developing Surreal as a coach? What are they? Who are they going to? Because, you know, obviously, these coaches are, need to keep on developing because they're still young and they're, as okay. players, they still have a lot um, to learn. So, what are they doing? But I've talked. I've talked of uh, one, one thing. Of course, uh, everything that's been available online and trial and error. But what uh, what we try to fix yeah. here in Jammu and it's gotten a lot yeah. better. You, you you have this kind of hierarchy, which is like I'm not much more experienced than someone like Cyril. But if he needs a particular uh, drill for backs or anything else, he can ask me. I can ask him and ask Emil. But now we but now with Nico, who used to play Côte d'Ivoire mm. in France, coach coaching the senior man, he helps out a mm. lot. And he, he, like this guy who works, he works at the French embassy. He's, he's a volunteer, but he does come to under-18 training. He does come to women training. He does come to the tournament and try to help any way he can. He might not have played for a long time now, but as, as long as we have some input and, and some, some uh, second opinion on what we're doing, especially that we're not that very experienced as coaches, this really helps. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's a, that's a, that's amazing. Um, is is it, it? Can you ask Joe? Can Joe I mean, hear yeah, me? He can, he can hear you. Yeah. I can hear you. I can hear him. Okay. So it's just the one way for some reason. Okay. Then. Well, I that, I think that's um, that's everything that I really wanted to know actually. And I don't know if uh, if um, Joe's got any uh, follow up questions. If he doesn't, then. We can just go to our quick fire round where we've got a few questions that we would ask you. Um, so, Joe, before I ask any start those questions, have you got anything else to say to him? No, no, nothing of that. And thanks for coming on, mate. It's very interesting to hear what you've been doing and 
uh, you'll have to answer for him that club, and I think it needs to be r- rolled out <laughs> yeah, actually, rolled out into other thanks, clubs thanks, and other schools it's been awesome. to, to, JJ, and then just, we can really uh, see a benefit he doesn't from have any, so. any questions thanks, okay yeah so alright so the first question that we've got uh, we I think we've asked um, we, we didn't ask Bob this unfortunately because uh, we left early but the first question is um, who's the best player you played with uh, and the best player you played against and why I played uh, with uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say you. I'm gonna say you. The best player I've played against is actually my uh, my. Uh, <laughs> I'm talking about KJ. Sorry, Tooms. <laughs> me. What me? Uh, <laughs> the best player I've played against. Tooms, come on, lad. <laughs> it was my outside center in Canada, Jeff Bradford. He's like you remember you talking about skill and talent. This this guy was born to play rugby. Yeah. yeah. Really? Because he's not. Why? Yeah, what was not what so good about that, him? Like six foot, but you can, you, know, you cannot imagine how strong yeah. he is. And for the for a guy at his size, I'm not talking about height, obviously. Yeah. He's he's like he's he runs like a, like someone mm. who play, who did track for all his life, but he's actually like he, he's probably like two thirty yeah. pounds, I I guess, and just physically, and he has the power of a prop and the speed of a yeah. winger. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Well, that's just good genetics, eh? Uh, yeah. Um, I thought it was Tuma. You. What's the other question that we uh, that we had? Because I think you came up with the third question or the second question. Well, well, I, I came up. I asked the question if if there was anything you could change or change if a rule I, or introduce a rule to rugby. What would it be? If there was one thing you could change. Uh, shit. <laughs> I love yeah. I'll have to think about that. Yeah. Do you guys have anything? <laughs> Be it a law. Uh, well, for me, well, Tuma's well, one was horrific. He said he would want it to be like rugby league without any scrums, without any contested scrums. It, it was shocking. No, and so, no that was a set, I don't know how was, it would work, but that was a yeah, so ignore Tuma's one. Okay, Tuma's explain. No, no, Lauren, I'll explain to you. Tell him I'm explaining to you. It, it <laughs> I we, we 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 got sidetracked, and I basically asked, I theorised, if you could combine rugby union and rugby league, what aspects would you pick from each game, basically? And I said I would I would prefer league scrums because sometimes sometimes I love the scrum, and especially for us, it's actually good. It's one as for Lebanon rugby, it's actually probably one of our biggest weapons. But in the in the professional game, it's just a nightmare having to reset scrums all the time. So nice. something I wouldn't probably wouldn't nice. like really to get it to go fully uncontested, uh, but something me... needs to be done. I have nothing actually. I, I love the game the way it is. <laughs> oh, great answer! Diplomatic. Yeah, good. Fair Very enough. good. Very clever. Okay, well, that's it from me, mate. Well, thanks for coming on. Um, hopefully, over the next couple of weeks or months and stuff, we'll keep on going with this podcast, and you know, um, we can keep developing it, and hopefully, more people listen, and we could just talk about other stuff of the game, and that maybe some people might thanks, find guys. interesting so thanks for coming awesome. on board thank you see you see you guys bye thanks Lord. you're welcome cheers, bye bye cheers mate